One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we get into the podcast, I, I, I can't start this podcast before I say, JB, that is a beautiful rugby shirt. Now, what, what this old thing? Yeah, that thing is oh, gorgeous. I, well, I just that, hold on, let me just rub that. Is that, is that merino wool? It is merino wool. Guilty. Uh, now, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I'm, a, I'm a guy in marvellous shape. But this this Egg Chasers <laughs> fan top, and is also the also the muscle fit match weight one, um, actually accentuates what great shape that I'm in. I, I could not agree more. It's got a real classic look, that one. The, full I, hoops. I love the colour pal- palette you've gone with, full hoops, obviously. Where can I get one of those, JB? Oh, uh, maybe it's at the Egg Chasers shop with Akuma Rugby. Maybe. Which is? No, I can't. Do you know what? It's pinned on our Twitter account anyway, mate. I've got it here. Don't worry about it. I know. I should have known Phil's not here. Uh, right. Akumashops.com slash egg chasers. There it is. Pinned on our on, on our Twitter account at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Yeah. Do you think about this? You can look as cool as us. <laughs> Akumash, Akumashops.com slash egg chasers. Right. Let's do this podcast. All right. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. We are here in the Rugby Dungeon to talk about a fantastic weekend of domestic rugby, to look ahead to an amazing weekend of European Cup quarterfinals and Challenge Cup quarterfinals as well. And uh, yeah, well JB's here, how are you doing JB? I'm very well, thank you Timothy, how are you? I'm, I'm extremely comfy. Uh, yeah, it's cu- nice, over, nice in these seats, isn't it? We're currently sit, uh, streaming on um, Facebook Live. Uh, sorry, YouTube, on YouTube, YouTube, sorry. Got there in the end. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sat in Phil's chair. This is a double header today because, um, well, let's get him on the line actually because Phil, let's go live to um, Westminster. Uh, I thought he was on the Brexit march. Is he not in Cumbria? That's, that's part of their trail, isn't it? No, no, no. He's he's on the he, he was on the People's Vote March yesterday. Ah, is that where you were? Yeah, oh, yeah. he's people. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So trying to ob- obstruct democracy. Are go, we, Phil? Let's go to London, Phil. How was the march? <laughs> uh, I can confirm that I was not on the uh, Westminster March. No, I don't think neither that, was I. To be fair, I don't think that you would have fitted in with your yellow vest, with your high vis vest. <laughs> <laughs> ne- neither was I marching from Sunderland to. Westminster or wherever they were going on the Leave Means Leave March. Unfortunately, Unfortunately. I'm, no, indeed... I'm, I'm sure on the on the news there was there were shots of you Pretty in sure on you the London there. streets, and you, you were the one holding the placard that said, "In 1933, 17.3 million people voted for Hitler." <laughs> <laughs> Very wow. good. I, th- I think it was a, it was a fair equivalence to make, by the way, JB. One of the most murderous regimes ever. That's fair. And, people, fair. and people who um, cast a, a cast the vote straight so, into Brexit. Wow, yeah. what a podcast. <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, another uh, fills up. Political leanings. How are you, Phil? <laughs> I'm very good, thank you, JB. How are you? I'm I'm in the best of health. Is this Young Thomas's good. first first trip away? 
Uh, first holiday, yes. Although we've not actually gone very far, only up to the Lake District. Oh, but, but you now know how annoying it is to pack for a weekend away with a child, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yesterday, he was in a very, very difficult move, uh, mood. Sorry. Um, so, we didn't bother packing well, that, that, until that, that, last that's, night. That's because we might be taken out of the European Union, Phil. You can understand this frustration. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go on, yes, it? It, very annoyed. So, we didn't, we didn't bother packing last night. And we had until 11 a.m. this morning to get out of the house. Given that we were up at 7 a.m., four hours, that should have been really oh, easy and doable. Learn, Somehow, at 20 to 12, we were still in the house. Nearly five hours to get to get the car packed. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Anyway, I hope, I hope the weekend... I, I, think, I think you might be right. Yeah, I, th- I think you might be right. It might not actually be worth it. Ugh. But I'm now... I'm now enjoying a lovely Lagunitas IPA. Lovely. Uh, so so I'm this relaxed. is sort of like a miniature night out for you now. <laughs> Very miniature. <laughs> yeah. Being on the phone to you two and drinking a Lagunitas IPA, hide, hidden away in the bedroom of our B&B, is uh, a bit like a night out, I guess. That reminds well, me, actually, we got sent a picture of some people who had Negronis as a as a drinking fine. That was the fine. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, grizzly. Um, well, Phil's not the only one on a little night out because um, Billy and Ben Taylor were out on the Shandies. Yeah, they, they were. I, by the way, I, I'm. I want to apologise in advance. I am still quite hungover yeah. um, from a night out in Newcastle as well. So, and and just in case anyone was wondering, is doing um, a CrossFit session whilst still hungover a good idea? The answer is no. So I disagree with you wholeheartedly here. I love working out hungover. Because it feels so wholesome, like you've done something so bad the night before, and then you go and have a real good workout, and your heart is, uh, you know, doing two rapid beats, and then there's no beat for ten seconds, and yeah. fifteen. I was 15 getting some more. odd palpitations. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I actually really enjoy working out hungover, which is odd, but yeah, that's uh, it's one of my things. Yeah, uh, Ben and Bill, Bill and Ben. So what what are we accusing them of here? Well, all that's been reported is that they got back later than the rest of the squad from a night out after Goodness the Scotland me. game. As adults. Well, there is no curfew. Yeah. There is no curfew. No, so they've got rules, haven't they? So you've got to all come in together or something? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's rather than rules, like black and white lines, I think it's just a, a kind of agreement about the general way we'll do things. We'll travel, we'll go out and we'll come back at the same time. Interesting, and that's it's fairly vague in to, in that sense, which is quite which is quite refreshing actually. When you hear um, a, 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 the way football quite often deals with things like this, where they're stuck in the hotel, I quite like that rugby's got a mature, grown up approach. Yeah, well, I had I, do, I didn't oh I still have a friend, and he played age grade rugby league, uh, England level sort of, and he's pretty good. And when they um, go over to somewhere like, uh, and I think this happens in age grade rugby union too, and probably in some tours. When they go over overseas, very very strict rules. Like you've got to come, you've got to go out together, you've got to come back together. No one outside of the party is allowed inside rooms. I, I, one, one person bubbles, everybody bubbles. Yeah, 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 stuff like that. I just don't really get it. I mean, like, why? You meant to be, you meant to be having fun? Oh no, sorry. You meant to be a, a miserable professional? No, you meant to have fun. And they're adults, but apparently they had to ap- apologise for this, didn't they? Uh, well, apparently Benteo apologised, or they both apologised to the team. Why? I mean, what is the crime here? I mean, they should apologise for letting Scotland draw with them. The fact that they came back 
maybe a little later than planned, that's not really a problem. Well, if if there was more to the story that we don't know that hasn't been reported, then let's hope so. That's really hope. Well, so. uh, no, I gen- no, no I, I don't. Obviously, saying I hope so is 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 not what, that sounds disingenuous. I hope so from the point of view of otherwise, this is a non-story. Yeah, I, and I don't, I don't care. Like, uh, yeah, that, that's where I am. This, this does. The headlines were kind of alcohol fueled night out, as opposed to what cocaine. When, <laughs> well, is it, isn't that it's in the plus column? <laughs> but the. But the when you actually go through the detail, so exactly as you've already listed, Tim, there was no curfew. Um, there's no um, no rules around being able to drink alcohol or not. So they can't have broken a curfew. They were allowed to drink alcohol. They just didn't come back up quite at the same time as the team. So it's they have apologised, but for breaking some very vague non-black and white rules. So it's, it's a complete non-story for me. Yeah, agreed. agreed. And, and also, it's just a reminder that we are so lucky to have a sport where the players are relatable, are actually real human beings, yeah. and we get to see that and we get to hear that. So I, what the problem I have with this story, assuming this is all there is to it and there's not more, again, that's the caveat, there may be more that hasn't been reported, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, but assuming that what's been reported is all there is, it's just going to widen that gap between media and players and they're going to be less and less Well, already, giving. I mean, I, I might be speaking out of turn here, I'm pretty sure, like the Italian squad, as soon as they finish a game, they do go out for some beers, but they have like places booked, and it's there is sort of like a a managed process of this. So they'll go to a hotel bar, and then they'll go to a club which have already got a reservation for, rather than actually go on the town, which I guess is you know it's sensible, really. Mm. That's definitely yeah. sensible. <laughs> Otherwise, you end up in places like I did last night in Newcastle, a place called Sinners, which had a cage in it. Wow! It was, uh, <laughs> it was like, oh my, I was in a world of pain. Uh, uh, was it uh, was it a fight club? No, it wasn't that kind of cage, unfortunately. Uh, uh. Oh, nice. Who did you go out with, Tim? We out with uh, some of the just some of the BT Sport lot. Any, any names? Any nah. names that you can report? No, no. Go on. No, no, no. They all travel back. Actually, it really? Was, yeah, they all travel back. Uh, those ones. Um, but no, good, good, great bunch of guys. I, I just keep having to go. Uh, I, I this happened all through university, <laughs> massively. <laughs> Like every time I go out, I'm just there as like a dance monkey dance. I'm go on, do your down, do your downing trick. Go on, do it. Well, so, so I had to dust that off again. Yeah. So in case you don't want Tim's referring to, he's literally got the fastest pint in the world according to Guinness Book of World Records. I have the official Guinness World Record. I am officially amazing, and I have the certificate to prove it. Fact. Hmm. Um. What's the World Rugby Symposium, by the way? That was a three-day conference. With lots of people speaking about various things, quite a lot of it safety focused, and uh, I believe Phil, it was. It was trying to make the game safer, looking at ways to potentially make the game safer without materially affecting the game. If that makes sense, no. Which, which is, which it's that doesn't make sense without materially affecting. It's always going to materially affect the game. Uh, you mean limit well, limit the effects as much as possible? Yes. Hence, without materially affecting the game. Okay. So, um, yeah, go on. Well, so it's quite interesting. So, first of all, symposium is a word that I wasn't really uh, familiar with previously. Uh, what does it mean? Um, conference, isn't it? Com- com- conference of experts, I think it is. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Oh, Love experts. So, so JB, that's like a red rag to a bull to you. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess I get offended because when I meet actual experts, it sort of undermines my perceived expertise. <laughs> anyway. Um, so it's a combination of coaches, officials, referees, recently retired players, um, game analysts, um, journalists, doctors, sports scientists, and all the rest of it. And they were looking at the current position of world rugby um, in terms of injuries and concussion with the main focus and kind of using it, it seems like using it as a brainstorming session to see... Don't say brainstorming, Phil. Don't say brainstorming. (laughs) (laughs) Mind mind mapping potential ways of making the game safer and, as I said before, without, without having a significant effect on the way the game flows. Now, one of the things they do flag in, in the World Rugby report is that um, there are some positives in this where, so ball in playtime is increasing, okay. uh, which, which is a good thing. Now, you would expect that would increase the number of tackles, which it has done, which you would in turn expect would increase the number of injuries and the number of concussions, which it actually hasn't done. Well, so there's yeah, a little I suppose bit... the thought there is that if the ball's in play more, then the body shape that is most advantageous to play elite rugby changes and becomes slightly smaller. Yes, which hasn't actually happened yet. No. I don't, I, I've certainly never ever seen any um, data which suggests that the, the size and shape is reducing. But that is actually one of the things that they seem to be looking at a little bit. Yeah. So that talk of making some of trialing some law changes some more variations the, Probably, uh, the average player is two stone heavier now than they were God. in 1987 the first world cup amazing isn't a it? whole two stone which is massive huge yeah it is massive and, and i, I and would that's, suggest... and that's all functional all functional muscle weight because the skeletons are with the same weight it's just that's just all <laughs> yeah. two stone of 28 pounds of muscle yeah these guys are bloody unless, enormous, uh, unless you're on Unless you're Mathieu Bastereau. <laughs> Quite um, so, and, and yeah, I would suggest that as long as get, as well as getting too stone heavier, as, exactly as you just kind of highlighted, Tim, um, the say 40 yard dash times have decreased. The amounts one can squat, deadlift, bench, bench press have all increased. So everyone is getting bigger, faster, stronger. Mm. I guess it's so, sorry, sorry, go on, Phil. So, so the, well, couple, a couple of things they came up with. Sorry, I, I don't know if this is where you were going for, but I was going to say one of the things they've, yes. they've sort of talked about is the uh, cutting the number of replacements, which we've talked about a number of times. Nah, well, I to, haven't. To, I to don't. Six or five, potentially. I'm not, of, not really a fan of that. Uh, I, 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 th- I, th- I think there's many more things they can do to to increase the ball in play time. Things like um, stopping the clock. Uh, like it, it seems to taking away the incentive to. To mess up the scrums and be slow at the scrums by having a, yeah. a, stop, a stopped I mean, clock. Do we really want more ball in playtime? Uh, I do because I think that's the only way you're going to change the the body types of players, which is one of the ways okay. that you will decrease the effect of um, the, the collisions. But equally, I also think that it will create a, a more exciting game. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It depends what you like. I mean, like you know, I like reset. I don't, don't like loads of reset scrums, but I like reset for the right reasons, and I like to see the battle commence and. I do think there's almost a you know a fetish for more skills. Let's get more skills. Let's get more ball in play time. And actually, it's not always that important. I mean, if it was in play constantly for forty minutes, I don't think I'd be bothered. No, I'm not suggesting that. Yeah, I, don't think but I mean that is logical that. conclusion of where they want to go, isn't it? It's like let's have more, more, more ball in ball in play time. 
Um, Not necessarily. It's one way of taking it. If you want, I mean, you could say let's have a two-hour game or a four-hour game. No one suggested that. Oh right, okay. Um, so, so they're not. They're not. This is kind of back to my point originally. I don't believe they're looking for rule changes for rule changes' sake. And I think, based on the people who are there, there is a, a consideration of the unintended consequences of the laws yeah. or any any law variations. And one of the possibly the most reported one of the potential changes was the fifty twenty two kick. Yeah, which is, is quite. It's quite an interesting one, I think, because this. So it's not necessarily to keep the ball in play longer, because actually, if you're going to be kicking effectively, you're going to have more lineouts. But it's trying to create more space, and that's one of the things that they want to drive. So if you. If the 50 22 kick, which is similar to uh, 40 20 in rugby league, where if you kick from within your own half, and it bounces and it goes out in the opposition's 22, um, you get the the line-out ball. So it's a brilliant way of creating attacking ball. Now that, the intended consequence, because it seems like people have actually thought this through, the intended consequence of that is you're going to have to have probably three, maybe four players in the deep which will create more space but it doesn't, uh, okay. upfield. I, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean I want to have smaller players, though, because I've seen this. I thought, oh, that's, that's quite nice. So no, you've got, no. like, 11 in a defensive line. Maybe you drop a scrum, scrum half as a sweeper. Maybe you drop three back. Maybe you drop four back. Maybe you've got 10. Sorry, yeah, maybe you've got 11. You know, maybe even go goes to 10. If, I've, if I'm facing 10 players, I want my biggest ball carriers, my big Billy Vanapolas and bigger, running at those 10 lads. Yeah, if anything, incentivizes me well, to get bigger lads. Or, or suddenly, well, suddenly, there's a real opportunity to, with some good handling, uh, you know, in the way that Northampton did against Leicester, to goodness, get to yes. get to the outside channels. Yeah, there, there, yeah, there is that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that one that that is not they're not specifically to reduce the size of players. That's to create more space. Yeah, um, and how teams use that will be different. So some teams might just think, oh, well, if we're defending 10, we can just push it up through the middle. I think more would go exactly as Tim has just said and, and the Northampton route, which is there is more space. Why don't we have another Cheslin Colby? Why don't we get someone like Perry Baker or Carlin Isles actually looking at 15s? Mm. Yeah. Interesting. And, so, and, and why, don't that, we, why don't we, you know, select a, a Rory Hutchinson type player, classy Rolls-Royce kind of a 13 rather than a Matthew Bastero? Um, because you'd be mad. Yeah. Because you'd be insane. <laughs> uh, no, Matthew Bastro would thrive against ten men. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, still would I, th- I think that one is a no-brainer to, at the very least, trial very seriously. Trial. Uh, I'm I'm well up for that one. 100 percent up it, for that one. Interestingly, from my limited knowledge of watching, uh, my limited watching of rugby league, like a forty twenty or twenty forty, whichever way around it is, um, they happen pretty rarely. Yeah, but but it's they, but, but it's but it's the threat of it means that you have to drop yeah, players yeah. back, which creates space elsewhere. Yeah, and they, they do get yeah. more points, don't don't they? You yeah, know, and you know. in rugby in rugby league as well, you are significantly incentivized not to kick until the fifth tackle. Yes, so you you, you oh, very yeah, rarely. Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, so it's more predictable. Whereas this, you, you kind of always have to drop people back because it could come first phase, it could be a box kick, it could be any time. 
and any and anything which is going to incentivize and going to mean that players who have that amazing rugby brain and can read matches rather than players who can just religiously do a game plan blue to, to a blueprint uh, mm. I'm I'm all for that the more that people like the more if the game is going to make people like Henry Slade more and more valuable and more and more influential. That's that's what I want because he's the kind of player that I love to watch. But interestingly, Henry Slade is probably in the one of the most structured teams in the, in the whole competition, and that's probably why he's so great because the structure allows him to express himself when he gets in those wide channels. Yes, but he will play. But, he he will equally play off instinct and spot things that other people won't. Mm. Um, this sort of dovetails nicely. Ooh. Sorry, go on, go on, Phil. Well, yeah, there's, there's a few other things that were mentioned, so I'll just run through them quickly. And give me a thumbs up, thumbs down. So, what one of them is um, the ability to review a yellow card. So, TMO has ten minutes to review the yellow card and upgrade it if needs be. Oh, I don't like that at all. Next. So, I, I, so, I, I don't know if what they're getting at there is to cut down the, the amount of time. Just more punishment. Uh, of TMA. When, when they know it's definitely a yeah. yellow, but it might be a red, actually, do you know what? Go, yeah. and, go and sit in the bin and work it out in the next 10 minutes while we get on with the game. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Oh, actually, when you I put feel... it like that, it's not too bad. I'm sort of thinking of... Exactly. Well, if it's like definite yellow, we're not we're not talking about is it a marginal, is it a pen or a yellow. This is it's minimum yellow. Uh, can work out if yeah. it's a red. It's going to lead to more red cards, yeah. I suggest. But, okay. Yeah, because you're taking that split decision away from the referee. It's not as bad as I originally thought. I was thinking of it more like we're going to look for more reasons to give red cards. Yeah, and th- yeah, I don't think that's the intent. No, I don't. I hope that's not the. I don't. I can't imagine that's the intent. Uh, is something to do with jackaling? Yeah, this this is an interesting one. So the headline in the World Rugby statement is examine ways to promote a greater contest at the Rook. Now, the way that that has been reported in the Times this morning through Stephen Jones and Sam Peters, is kill the jackal. Now, that's not what World Rugby says, but obviously, I think those two individuals were at the symposium, and we obviously weren't. But by, by the way, there, there, are some, there are some four-legged animals absolutely bricking it somewhere. Kill the jackal. What? Yeah, what? exactly. What's going on? <laughs> day of the jackal, or jackal has had its day. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't like that. Intent, I think, because uh, it, it almost seems at odds to what they're trying to do. Because if you create, if so, the jackal can slow down rugby, could slow down an attacking play, but it also sucks in defenders and attackers. Yeah. So it it potentially yeah. creates space elsewhere. So I I worry that if you did that it's actually going to have unintended consequences that would cut across exactly what you're trying to do with the other law changes. And this has become a thing because it's now the, the tr- it's now the trendy thing. Now that they've got the, the high tackles sorted out, the... They need something else to go the, out. The so safety it's the ruck, mob needs something else to go out, so it's the ruck. The, the, ruck, the, uh, you know, the ruck has been fine for years, but all of a sudden now it's, um, you know... The Wild West out there. I look at a ruck and I think, oh, I know exactly what's going on here. And it's the art you know, of nuance, isn't it? It's like... I know uh, who was doing it the other day. So, well, maybe it's Northampton. They were falling on the wrong side of the ruck, and it was borderline illegal. But it was beautifully borderline illegal, yeah. and that's what you should be doing. You know, that's a smart thing about rugby. There has to be some 
element of interpretation about it. And there has to be an element of learning your trade and you know being able to do these things. I think when you try and regulate the ruck so strictly, you're going to basically destroy that. And and I what I would have liked to have seen here to try and stop those kind of hits that people are worried about where someone flies in at a ruck and hits someone and risks making head contact. What I would like to see sorted out is get the get the player who's over the ruck into a better position because the number of times they're not sporting their body weight, they're just yeah. flopping flat and really low on the guy who's on the deck. Well, that, but, that you're then giving a letterbox tar- size target for the guy coming in to, to make a legitimate uh, clean. Yeah. So sort that guy's but, body position out and that will sort the hits out. This actually, exactly as you say, Phil, the unintended consequences of taking away the contest at a ruck will be that you'll just have defensive fanning out and it'll... Yeah, you get rid of yeah. the space you've just created. Yeah, exactly. And also you're going to have 20 phases of nothing, you know, just 20, fa- 20 boring phases. Um, and, and this is kind of where... Th- 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 that is a perfect example of um, where things currently are. I've sort of had a, had a bit of fun on Twitter this afternoon. <laughs> oh. Always. Wrong, Not that one, wrong, wrong one. Wrong button. We'll have to oh. stick with well, oh, well, well, why not? It, it, well, it, it works. fine, it works. Um, and... I agree that there are potentially dangerous and worrying hits being made at rucks. I disagree, but as soon as you say no, I don't. I don't want to remove the jackal. People will then go, "Oh, don't, don't you know people are getting hurt? Why don't you care? Why don't you look at sure. the evidence?" It's like, no, it's all right. I, I can see the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I just have a different way of solving it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sick of this. So, yeah, it does dovetail nicely into a little uh, spat you got into on Twitter today, which I was kind of not, watching. Not really a spat. Well, I was not watching from with, my point of view, with, but, yeah. ex- with extreme amusement. Yeah. Um, and you're right, you know, it's just hyperbolic. People are trying to signpost their way in, in rugby by saying, look, I am for player safety, as if everyone else isn't for player safety. Yeah. Like, you know, the... De- it, like our default position is, you know, we really want injuries. No, that isn't actually what happens. But if you take this this safety culture to its logical conclusion, which I have. And I actually think there is a point here. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something now which I think you're gonna think I'm mad. So so one of the things which sparked this off, just to give a bit of context, I don't know whether you saw it, JB, but um uh Jacques Berger, who if I had to choose anyone that I've ever met in professional rugby that I would choose to spend time with, he would be right near the very top of that list. One of the great human beings oh, yeah. who's ever played the game of rugby. Oh god, yeah, we, I've, yeah, I would completely skip this. Jack Berger. Jack, Jack Berger posted a video of a South African under fourteens, under fifteens yeah. rugby game, and uh, it was a, a huge hit. And he's actually having people saying that, uh, "How dare you post that video? It's awful that you've posted a video." I mean, it is a savage hit. It's a savage hit. It really is. And the the kids, well, from the, I think some, it's even been reported in the Times, even, but apparently the kid was injured. I don't know whether knocked out or I don't know, but he was, I think he was injured. But yeah, it was a savage hit. But to start questioning the morals of someone just posting a <laughs> six second video on Twitter, just don't watch it. Yeah, don't watch it. Don't watch it. If it, if it makes you physically sick, I, mean, I don't do many things that make me physically sick. Do you know why? Because I'll be physically <laughs> sick. So I don't tend to do it. Um, Yeah, so here is where I'm going with this. I'm going to say something which I think everyone will think I'm mad or... It's not purposely controversial. Sorry, we're used to that, mate. Don't worry. Right. If you take this <laughs> as a logical conclusion, right, about how dangerous rugby is, I think they're probably right. I actually think when you when you look at all the evidence, you yeah. say, is it getting more dangerous? It's abs- it absolutely is getting more dangerous. And I think it's just responding to market pressures, which is when there are sums of money on the table now, 
and they're not quite life-changing, but you say they're not life-changing. You try being a 21-year-old on 18 grand and then try being a 21-year-old on 200 grand, and that is life-changing for that, for that period of, of your life. So, you know, it's, it's one hell of an incentive. So the money's coming into the game. The players are getting bigger. The competition is getting harsher. It, it's a reality of the game that, and, you know, the Sam Peters of, these world, of this world, and, you know, the safety-type campaigners, um, I think they're absolutely right. I think it's getting too dangerous. However... Maybe if you want to solve this and you really want to solve it, you really want to solve it, you have to take not you're not going to change the rules. You're not going to have to, um, you know, because if you continue to have money in the game at this level, I think you've got a moral question as to is it morally acceptable to say to a young man, keep putting your body on the line, keep getting concussions in return for this amount of money, which you can't refuse. And I think that's 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 where this conversation's got to go. But uh, what I don't understand is where, and it's not what about we here. I'm actually trying to draw equivalency, not say no, but like UFC, boxing, horse riding. Well, they would say, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, but, well, like I don't understand. I, that's where I kind of. Well, I I, you know, I guess UFC is an individual sport. I guess there's still not the money involved in it, which there is now. Um, but if you really really think about it, if you're on your third concussion, right? And your next contract. Is oh my god! Be... If if I was, I mean, I played at a, a reasonable level, not not elite level. I the amount of concussions that I had. I've I, never been concussed. I I I think there's something structurally enough. with with my with my head, which means I'm more <laughs> I'm more prone to getting them. Well, maybe I, you just had multiple concussions, and now you're more I prone got to getting them. Yeah? So many, but like so many. If you do, you think it's a more, do you think it's particularly moral if you? I've got you three concussions, you're in your last year of your contract, and you don't want to be known as a player who suffers concussion issues. Yeah. Would you hide it? Yeah, probably. I, so I, okay. I couldn't have hidden it, by the way, because one of my concussions, um, I was playing for the county, or Southwest or whatever at the time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I was so badly concussed, I had to call. Well, I got back on, it was, a, it was a Sunday, and I got back, and in the evening I called who was my girlfriend to ask if we were going out because I couldn't remember if we were going out or not and we'd broken up about Ooh, four, four days before. I what a creep. I could <laughs> that wasn't it wasn't a move it wasn't a it wasn't a what move. A she thought she thought it was like a, a line and, and, what then, a and then and then one of my teammates um uh, who was playing with me who was uh, in the same team said said to her the next day no seriously he he didn't he uh, he repeated himself again and again and again. Yeah. It was it was cool. like it was like being with my grandmother with uh, with with Alzheimer's. Anyway well, like you know, you say you can, but, but now I, I think a doctor would have said to me, "Now you can't ever play again." Yeah, and that, that was me, aged what nineteen or something. Well, it wouldn't be worth the risk. So yeah. I think, as an individual, and the, the other thing is, the pro game, and I can't stress this enough, the pro game has almost nothing in common with the experience of ninety nine point nine percent of people like mm. me who enjoy rugby on a weekly basis. It's yeah. just not similar. Yeah, you know. So I do think there's a, a question to be asked: Is this actually is, well? If you're going down the St. Peter's line of thought, is this a mor- is this a moral game? And I tend to think it, pro- it might not be actually. <sighs> it's a it's a difficult question. Yeah. Well, my oh yeah. I mean, you know, you're the incentive for you to hide the thing which could change you irrevocably, or in fact kill you. If you hide it, you get an extra three hundred grand, and that might be your you know your child's school fees or the ability to, for you to fund your pension, which literally is life changing. Or you know the way that you pay your mortgage. Well, the hypothetical that you've just posed is, is not going to happen. Had ha- happened to Shantae and Hartley? No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, take the money out of the game. 
Oh, God, no. So, no. so of course. So, so, no, it's not. So we might as well talk in in the realms of what's likely to happen and what is going to happen. What You've been sat very quietly just doing your lurking there. You've been sliding into people's DMs yeah, there, Phil. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> um, I think, GB, you're probably right If for the people who run that argument. there There is an argument to say, well, if you are making the argument that rugby is inherently unsafe and we've got to um, restrict it so much, maybe the logical conclusion of that argument, I'm not saying... Uh, I'm on board with that. But that argument is, well, why are you supporting rugby? Why are you following rugby at all? That's it. Why, why, are you, why are you not calling to ban rugby entirely? Because there is, in my mind, there's no way you can make it safe, depending on your definition of safe, and still call it rugby. Yeah, rugby I think- is always going to be, it's going to be an inherently dangerous game. You can make it safer without materially affecting it. And I, I firmly believe that. And I think the world rugby steps are, the, the trials will be interesting to see if they can do that. Mm. And I, I encourage this kind of thing. I to, do think there is an element. It can be done. There is an element of people wrestling with their conscience at the top of the game who report this. And maybe that's what, that's what drives this. Like, this is a phenomenally dangerous sport. I absolutely love it. I love the contact. I love the collisions. Yeah. And now they're sort of like, well, okay, well, how can we reverse this thing, which I love? Because we've created a monster and the players are not going to get smaller. It's only going to get more aggressive. And it's a completely different game to what actually we all grew up playing. Completely different. Well, no, there are no. I, I disagree that the players are going to continuously get bigger. I they think, will, Tim. I know. I think. Well, if you let it, like, if you reduce the number of replacements, if you find ways to make the game more aerobically demanding, then even you can, if, then you can yeah. cha- you can change. That. I agree with you, right? That yeah, maybe they get physically smaller, I, I, but I, I bet they never get less powerful. Aussie Aussie rules body types. There's some of the collisions in that sport are absolutely brutal. Mm, and uh, I, yeah, okay. and the, and the dangers involved and all the rest of it. But they their body type is completely different because it's so aerobically demanding and I'm not suggesting that I don't want to see big hits or you know I, I mean god I I'm a, I'm a massive fan of quads. I want yeah. I, I want to see Beno Abano's quads god, on he's a rugby a beast, field. isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I mean didn't have a great game, but no. he's a beast. Yeah. And I want there to be a place for Manny Tulangi because I love seeing the Big big men. Well, let's be, let's be absolutely honest about what we love about rugby. Or well, what I love. I mean, if you, if you come at me and say, "Oh, I love the skills," I, I kind of switch just, off. I think we just lost Phil. Phil, maybe it's I've all right. Probably, that's cool. Yeah, he's gone. Um, yeah, I just sort of lose interest. I love huge collision, uh, uh, collisions and you know smashing people and the scrum. And every, I mean, I remember uh, back in. The, I'm old enough to remember. So, you see, there are actually people that think you're irresponsible for going on a podcast and saying that. Who cares? Which is the, ridi- my podcast. It's the ridiculous place we've got to. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. I agree. Heaven forbid, uh, as someone said on Twitter, that rugby gets macho. Heaven forbid. Oh, yeah, I got accused of being macho. Uh, being massive. Being uh, macho. Yeah, as if it's an insult. Um, so, okay. yeah, that would be... Um, okay. That'll be us covering the symposium. Well, so there, there's a couple of other things. That, so there's going to be lots of laws trialled. So um, they're going to trial in amateur French rugby outlawing a two-man tackle yes uh, i've heard i don't know how you do that oh there you go there he is and he's back you, um, you, hello you, there hello he is. I, I was just saying I, i'm some of the I'm, I'm all for everything being trialed um and I'm, it'll be interesting to see they did it within the championship cup this season with the the chest high or lower for a tackle anything above chest height is uh, a high tackle and they ended that pretty promptly because it led to more concussions that needs a they, they may well come back and trial that again on a bigger basis but they are trying trialing an amateur french rugby 
outlawing a two-man tackle. I don't know how that's going to work. And I tell you what else that would incentivize. Oh, you tackle him, no, I'll tackle him. You tackle him, oh, we just scored. You just have to be really good at communicating. I mean, it just takes yeah. the communication up to ne- next level. It also means that I want bigger players again to run over the one-man tackle and then offload. Yeah. With more big players. The, the, the French trials, they've done that. and uh, At one stage, they were talking about uh, uh, junior level um, banning the attacker using his body as a torpedo. Now, I don't know. What? what does that mean? You can't I, run. In a, you know. can't run towards the try line that you're trying to score. Don't know. Don't, don't know what it means. Don't know how you'd officiate it. Don't know how you'd stop it. But do, do you know what? The, the do, do you know what the coaching point would be out of this ban the two man tackle? It would be identify the worst tackler on their team and just run at him because no one else can tackle you oh if God. you're running at him. Ryan Lamb would never have had a career. <laughs> <laughs> It Charlie Hodgson, over. It, it would just be run at Ryan Lamb. It would no, be. no, because in whilst Ryan Lamb or whoever, it's a bit unfair to pick up Ryan Lamb, but whoever. When well, it, hang on, there are games, aren't there? And was it you telling me this? I can't remember who was saying this, or maybe it's another podcast. And they're saying like Ryan Lamb came on, and as soon as he came on, the instructions from the bench were run at Lammy, run at Lammy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But there are definitely weak links, and you are going to be targeting the weak links. Yeah, that that for me is a complete non-starter. It just it just will not work. They're trialling it in uh, in French amateur rugby, so we will see. Might Excellent. be might be might be fun to watch the odd game. The only other thing that's maybe worth mentioning about the the World Rugby Symposium, and then I can never say symposium again. <laughs> Do you remember when dossier um, dossier was a word? Uh, like we never the word dossier was no, never no. used, and then it was the Iraq War, and, I, and then the word dossier was just everywhere. Now, is this is this going to be with symposium? Yeah, well, the other one is compromont or compromont, whatever it is. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, a compromat is um, that compromonts? Actually, a word, another word that was used three times in the five hundred word uh, statement from World Rugby was embryonic. Embryonic. It's all nice. It's all about these being embryonic law changes or law variations. Mm. The, the word that's, um, that was used constantly during the Exeter Bath game today was transition. Never heard the word tra- like other than like talking about pregnancy and uh, you know in, in <laughs> giving birth. I've never heard the word transition used so much. Uh, yeah, well, at least it's better than resourcing the ruck. I mean, that was <laughs> dreadful, <laughs> truly dreadful to bad. describe. Well, if it's under resourcing the ruck, now as a rugby watcher for like fifteen years, <laughs> if I closed my eyes and someone said, "Oh, the resourcing the ruck," I would have no idea what they were doing. We, we need a ruck uh, recruitment advisor. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other one, which. The other law change or, or area of focus on the law. I'll let you is... two talk about this. I have to go um, and just take a little trip. Yeah, sure, go for it. <laughs> no, I'm gonna have... Go on. So the, the other one, the other one which um, Ben Kay wrote about uh, yesterday, I think it was. So it was a high tackle warning program. So this is kind of in line with what we've discussed before about. Um, the majority of head injuries occur in the tackle. The majority of head injuries occur to the tackler. And what World Rugby are trying to do is get get away from both heads being in the same space. So collision of head or head on head or head on shoulder. So looking at push lowering the tackle height, which is what the Tim referenced before in the championship trial. What they're doing with this, the tackle warning program. Uh, according to the Ben K article, would be so not not necessarily looking for penalise or red card where there's been no foul play, but if there is kind of 
poor technique after the game, retrospectively going to the player and saying, not not that you're banned, not anything like that, but look, here is uh, an incident where you have demonstrated poor technique. It worked out okay this time. It might not work out okay in future. And if you collect enough of those warnings, there could be a, a retrospective ban. Right. I, now, you know, I, I can't... I literally switched off as you were talking then. Not because you're boring, Phil. You're not. In fact, you are very good at explaining complex ideas in a way that gets through to my simple brain. Frankly, like, the whole thing is getting dull now. Like, we've spent 38 minutes talking about a meeting. I I can only imagine... Symposium. Yeah, a symposium. I can only imagine how the rest of the world uh, feels about this. Uh, Yeah, fine. I'm sure that'll that'll work work its way out. Great. Um, so that, that one is, and some signings well, I really don't want to talk just, about the symposium anymore just on that one I thought that would be one of the ones that would grab you most JB because it actually ticks one of the boxes you previously said for law changes or um, non-law changes or whatever you want to call them which what? is you, you in the past have expressed your dissatisfaction at yellow and red cards because it punishes teams rather than players which that yes. the the retrospective banning for multiple inf, um, infringement on the tackle height, so that retrospective banning, it, that is a good way of only punishing the player and only making the pit player culpable, not making the team and the fans culpable. And what I like but, about that, and Ben Ben K wrote a, a good article to this effect yeah. to this effect on Saturday in the Times, suggesting that he he. he drew the parallel with um, speed awareness courses. Rather than just throwing the book and the points at someone, you can go, look, do you know what? You made a bit of a mistake there. Here's a corrective, here's a way of correcting your behaviour without actually... Correcting behaviour. But what, no, yeah, I know. What I like, yeah, it sounds (laughs) like something something at a gulag. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's what what they're doing in China, apparently. There's there's millions of people who are going for re-education. Wonderful. (laughs) Uh, anyway, uh, no, what I like about it is it actually has the starting point of saying players are not going out to hurt their fellow professionals, which quite often the way that the reaction is, and we talked, and partly this is Twitter, and, you know, we talked about the way people Hang talk. On. Is that absolutely no, true? Is that a true statement? What? That fellow professionals are not going out, out their way to hurt. No, what, to, to like in a, in a kind of malicious... They are. Uh, they are right. No, 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 no. They're but not they're, they're not going out their way to injure... Each other. No, all right. Well, okay, look, you look, look, you look. know what I mean no, no. when I say that. I Don't, think what you mean. You know what I mean. No, 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 Han, are you saying this or is this in the... No, no, no. So what I like about this suggestion is it, that there's a bit of good faith and a bit of generosity given to players. Yeah. Which the issue is sometimes someone makes a high tackle like, and, and then it's like, oh, that's outrageous. That's, dis- think, that's disgusting. Yeah. Actually, no, they made a mistake. No, it's all right. Yeah, we, we, can, think, we can correct this. So just to address that point. I don't think players are going out there to hurt each other illegally. I don't think they're going in to throw cheap shots or don't think any of that. But to say they're not going out there to hurt each other, yeah, of course. they categorically of course, are. Of course. I mean, if you could put on a clean shot and send someone off off the field from a perfectly clean shot, you would do it in a heartbeat. Of course, Every yeah. player would. Oh, I can't believe you just said that, JB. You're, you're, you're encouraging... Hot, I can't believe... Hard hits. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, can we move off this now? Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, yes. Harlequin's made some signings. Lots of signings. Tell, tell me about Harlequin's signings. This is far more interesting. 
Well, I thought you were the one with the information. You just brought it up. Come on. Well, it, uh, I think Phil must have the information because he put it on the running order. Phil? Sorry, you're breaking up. No, not now. Uh, you put on the running order uh, <laughs> Harlequins, 100 signings. Yeah, they made there's a, a, just a, a sea of announcements this week from Harlequins. Yeah, it was one announcement every day, wasn't it? Uh, every hour for every day, 24-7. <laughs> <laughs> and I quite liked how they did it. They had those silly little um, silly little social media posts, the, uh, you know, for Campagnaro, it was like a, a pan and something else you've got to put, you know, make out a word of, you know, all these different things. Yeah, it's it, it pretty decent. So the, there's, it's, it's a combination, this. It's an interesting set of signings. It's a combination of a few pretty big names and a few kind of lower leagues and, and kids players. Yes. So, so the one signed, that got me was the Jews oh, yeah. fly off. Brett Heron. Yeah, I'm not saying he. Oh, he's a good player. He plays at Jersey Reds. So you've got to be good, right? So he's come in, but I don't. Uh, got, so he's going to be an exchange for Katrakalis as the third choice fly half. So we so probably what, don't need to. Yeah, he, so, so I won't worry about talking about him too much because it's well, that's well, interesting. He's a, right? So he's a lot cheaper than Katrakalis. Yeah, yeah. So Katrakalis came in as exactly. a starter, right? Yeah, yeah. So he was he he he's on relatively big money. Came yes. in as a starter, right? Yeah. Um, the reason I don't get this is because you've got two young lads in like James Lang and uh, Marcus Smith. Smith. So I assumed when they went out and got someone, I didn't think it would be a you know a top end fly half, but I thought it might be like you know a Duncan Weir or someone who's a bit of an old hand who well, can steady the ship. Well, they've done all right with Smith and Lang this year. So yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, that. yeah. But I just thought it's weird to have yet another developmental guy. I don't, I don't know if it is a developmental guy. It's like your third quarterback. You kind of it doesn't really matter what age. Doesn't really. Just... So why not keep Tim Sweel for that? Oh, gone, hasn't he? He was like go last year. So I just is thought it, it was a bit it, weird. It, I thought what they would have wanted there is like an older bloke that everyone could learn off. Well, there, there has been rumours around Cipriani. So, oh, has there? That could still well, that would blow everything out of the water. Yeah. That would be huge. So we'll see. But they, they it would do. One, one of Alex Dombrant's mates from. Uh, from university. Good. Another university rig is incoming. And if he's half as good as Alex Dombrant, that's going to be one hell of a signing. Well, when I look at their signings, when I looked at them and when I look at the makeup of their squad next year, I'm, I'm, I like what's going on there. They, uh, they're squeezing value. They're, they're finding the depth in the squad from players who won't cost them a lot and they're not signing internationals. Uh, yeah, and they, I think it's really smart. They uh, sort of seem to know who they are as well, which is quite important. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're all playing the same way. They had a bit of a blip against Gloucester. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Tim. I think they're, they're looking great. But again, it's like, well, you look at Gloucester as well. I think it just goes to show, once again, don't sign internationals. Just don't. don't well, unless they're South African internationals. Especially, especially not in a World Cup year. Just don't sign, don't sign internationals. Or, or sign the best player from an international team who the international team don't want. Yes. For a cut price. Yeah. I mean, if you could do that for every position, you'd be laughing. Yeah. But it's very difficult. Um, who are the other signings? You've got Campagnaro, we've got Brett Heron. Uh, Landajo from the Hawaii. Oh, that's a good signing. That's a really good signing. Scrum half. And Santiago Garcia Bota, who's a lucid prop. Don't know him. From, from Jaguares. Uh, I think he's about 25, 26, 30 something international caps for um, Argentina as a prop and a lot of Super Rugby. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of back rows, a couple of premiership back, back rows in Will Evans, who's not done much for a while, but then who has at Leicester Tigers. Um, and he was quite and highly Tom, rated, wasn't he, at Leicester Tigers? 
he, he was, and he he's still, was. still only a young lad. Yeah. The, the, um, the, 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 the one, the one, yeah, you're, the one you're about to say is the one that I think is a brilliant signing. Go on, Tim. Go on, Phil. Was yeah. that the same? Tom Lorde. That's the kind of guy I'm talking about. Oh. Someone who is because Alex Dombrant, I wouldn't be surprised if after the World Cup, he's suddenly is involved with England. You, yeah. You've got Lorde in, who has already done a job at Exeter. Rob Baxter said he would have liked to have kept him, but the salary cap means he's had to make that tough decision. But Tom Lorde is a guy who's not going to be an international anytime soon. If you know, yeah. he's going to be a really good Premiership player, and he's proved that he's durable, reliable, and and and, and a good player, and he won't cost them a load of. Cash. I bet he's yeah. I bet they sign him on reasonably good money based on all that, and they realise he's got a bloody Scottish grandparent. <laughs> Unlucky. <laughs> so that, that those those two back rows, it it almost paves the way for one of their kind of current. Um, England periphery guys. I say that in the nicest possible sense. Clifford, and Rob Clifford, Clifford and Robshaw, one or both of them to well, go to Pastors New. So it have to Has be Robshaw, yeah. So it'd most likely be Robshaw. But I don't think Robshaw's going anywhere. He's too important to the club, isn't he? He's like, yeah. He's like it's interesting though. He, he will be on. Well, he'll be on England captain money. So. Well, they're going to be in the Champions Cup next year, so the <laughs> their schedule is going to be grueling. Can I just say, comparison. Uh, FYI, no better time to redo your um, deal than when you're England captain. <laughs> yep, for, for the long term. I mean, if I was uh, Dylan Hartley, I'd be, I'd be wanting my new deal right now. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan Hartley, who's hardly played for Northampton for four years. Exactly. Uh, just <laughs> actually, Landaro is a really interesting signing because I think he's class. Yeah, me too. So whether really it's good. Just, yeah, what maybe, maybe maybe they use them like um, they used Robson and Sib- Simpson at Wasps when they first showed up together. Yeah, because historically at Quinns, the drop off from care to a another yeah, has yeah. been pretty severe. And now they can go at you, can't they, for eighty minutes? Uh, I, the, the, they're the players coming into Quinns. You can just sort of work out from that there is a lot of players leaving. A lot going to be going. Yeah. There'll be a few on the way out. So, and I, definitely, someone some pretty tidy money as well. So, yeah, this is uh, it's good. Good times for Quinns. Good times for Northampton as well, who seem to be Killing I, again. It. Yeah, I I think what I like about Gustard and Boyd, who've, who've done so in very different ways in terms of a squad together. I you can see at Northampton, you can see what their squad is going to be like, th- what their team is going to be like three years from now, and. Uh, I've, I what I really like the cut of both of their jibs, Gustard and and but and um Boyd Boyd there you go and Boyd what, what, what they're up to and but what what's interesting is that they both started the season we were sort of had big question marks well, how's it how's this season going to be but I don't think people would call you mad if you said one of those teams would be in the mix for relegation yeah well that's well, what that's, that's exactly what we said that's, that's what, what, what that's what was being said early in the season um to, well. Let's just talk talk about Northampton a second because I do love that. I, I kind of love the way that someone's come in because they've not signed the players. They have complete freedom of who to start. Um, you know, uh, they don't have to well, play mean, the pe- players. Jim, Jim Mallinder had complete freedom over who to start. Ah, yeah. Sorry, let me let, let me let me clarify that. Jim Mallinder signed all those guys. Mm. So if Jim Mallinder's not paying his top paid players, you then have to ask questions of Jim Mallinder. Why on earth did you tell me to sign this guy on 300, 300k? Whereas Boyd doesn't have to do that. He can literally pick the best players that he thinks suit, suit, suits his team. So he does have a bit more freedom than what, than what do you, Mallinder do had. Do you honestly think a DOR picks someone because they'll look bad? 
They'll look 100%. worse if hundred percent. They'll look worse if they lose games by making bad selection well, because decisions. In their mind, they've already decided that they're right because they gave this guy a massive contract. So if you know, it, it, pride's a weird thing. You would probably think, well, he's just not come good yet, but we are spending the money on him. There's a reason we're spending the money on him. Give him another go. Give him another go. And that's what happens. Pride before a fall, as well, they say. I'll give you an example. Look at Worcester. Worcester uh, don't rotate the squad. And they basically pet play the starting 15 where whenever whenever they can, who happen to coincide to be the most expensive because that's what they believe is right. But you know, it's not right, is it? If you think about the... Well, it could be right for them. But if another coach came in and that's not his 15, he might pick the best 15 that he perceives in the club. He's just got a bit more freedom. Mm. So Northampton on Friday night. Dynamite. Yeah, so good. And again, I think it's, you know, in terms of, I'm, I'm not trying to do a whole downfall 2018 type well, no, humble, you, humble well, pie, well, but you have been very, very critical and very sceptical about Northampton. Yeah, 100%. Um yeah, I thought they would. Well, I, you know, you look at their squad at the start of the year, like twenty six back rows. Um, you know, they've they've got so many question marks as to where pe- players were going to fit in. You know, who's going to be the ten? Um, you know, what does Harry Mallander do? Well, Harry Mallander's not even shown up. They had like a really mixed bag, uh, and that's what I think Chris Boyd has done great with. He's you know he's managed to get those players playing really well. Where he's he's got weaknesses, he's trusted some of the younger lads. I think I think he's done a great job. Not even where he's got weaknesses, he's proactively choosing a lot of these younger guys. And but I think what's more, imp- what well, as impressive as just using the guys and giving them trust is the 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 confidence that he's given them to just just go and do it. You see it, you do it, and he's picked guys and he's got guys with really amazing rugby brains. Rory Hutchinson, it's just, just he's a Rolls Royce of a player. He's cool, isn't he? He's just got. He doesn't look massive. He doesn't look rapid, but he's 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 quick really quick of mind and just those hips the way he can swivel them and get through gap yeah he's just a kind of um anyone else anyone else you want to mention as a classy northampton player classy northampton player oh yeah. damn bigger was awesome damn bigger I, I really enjoyed wales's second best fly half taking on england's second best <laughs> fly half george um, ford was excellent yeah he still came second he though. was really good well, he's getting used to that now he, he played really well in a dreadful yeah let's talk about leicester yeah. oh my word because <laughs> the leicester drop is that is potentially on. There's a game on Friday, April the 12th. There's one more round where Leicester host Exeter and Newcastle go away to Saracens. So you would expect neither team to come out with anything in that one, which means there will be a five-point gap between Newcastle and Leicester going into Friday, April the 12th, when, <laughs> when, when New, Newcastle host Leicester. Welcome. I, and Newcastle can definitely beat Leicester. 100% can beat Leicester. Yeah, definitely. Don't, and don't forget, as I said a few weeks ago, Leicester beat Wasps uh, three, four weeks ago. Well, Wasps yeah, had a disallowed try. Yeah, Wasps had a disallowed try in the last second. Had that try not have been disallowed, it would have been Leicester would have been currently one point ahead of Newcastle. Yeah. Now, don't mistake this for anything else other than utter admiration and respect for Leicester as a club. I love them. I think they're amazing what they've done historically. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But the mischief maker in me really wants them to go down. It would be quite it, because love, story an underdog line. story. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Storyline. Everyone loves everyone loves an underdog story, and it's like it's the inverse of an underdog story to see 
one of the giants, if not the giant, historically of English rugby. With, going down. So what, what would be what would be what would be bit what would be the more unlikely story? Leicester City winning the Premier League or Leicester Tigers getting relegated from the Premiership? Wow. Probably still Leicester City yeah, winning. Yeah, you're right. I don't but know. I don't know. The salary cap in rugby means that it's yeah, quite, so. it, that it's more even to start with. But it's yes. that, but that's where Leicester's issues are. I think this is. I feel sorry for Jordan Murphy. I don't think he's the reason why this has happened. They've they've, they've changed several coaches no, a number of times, and there's been probably you could probably look back five six years of uh, when you take it as a whole, really bad recruitment as a consequence of chopping and changing so much. So the money bally type stuff on this, yeah. As I understand it, a few years ago, um, the two guys in charge, Jed and. Uh, Jed, uh, what's his name? Can't remember. And Simon Cohen. What where they saw the value was not developing their own players, but sort of getting those lads who were just graduating someone else's academy and then bring bringing them in. That that's what that's where they saw saw their value. Uh, and then after that, it just seems to be epic mismanagement on signings and where you get them from. And you know, there's not a, partic- a lot of trust, particularly in their academy. I mean, Leicester used to be the most dominant team in England of bringing their own. Their, Bringing their own through. I mean, you went from whoever was scrum half to then uh, well, you know, Harry Ellis and then Tom Youngs. Yeah, I was going to say in their team now we've got Dan Cole and yeah Tom Youngs. The players that have come through, Billy Twelve Trees was a um, Leicester Academy guy. Um, but they have let but some. Like, they have let some go. Alex Lewington, for example. Yeah, let mm-hmm. him go to Nottingham. So yeah, it's a it's a tricky one for them. I also question this. Right, you say it's not Jordan Murphy's fault. I tend to agree with that. You know, in the long term. Uh, you know, in the yeah, these problems the are five, term, six it, it years in the making. Fault. This is five or six years in the making. But I will mention this: as watching Northampton play, and it just looked like they were doing the same thing every time. It was off the nine, uh, a pod of three forwards, and then the pullback pass over and over and over again. And Leicester were completely toothless. Well, Northampton, were, oh. you, you you touched on it earlier. Northampton were brilliant at slowing the ball down, and, and they were and playing that borderline game between possibly being illegal but not being caught by the ref and they were just smarter mm, yeah Jay in that so I, I think you're right in that um, the pattern that Leicester were playing and in that scenario what you end up with is George Ford taking the ball very very deep now what George Ford is very good at is threatening the run and then picking a pass but when you're picking the ball so deep and the defence can just like amble up and then drift you're taking, you're effectively taking George Ford's best threat off him. Mm. It doesn't seem, it, the, the, it just, it just seems crazy to be trying to play that type of rugby but you couldn't play, when you couldn't it doesn't suit your players. They couldn't really play any other kind of rugby because the ball was so slow. Which is a good point, and it that's when when you're talking about the kind of mismanagement or the the bad signings. I mean, what it, when you look at this squad, it almost looks like they've been trying to be kind of too streetwise and money ball and thinking, look, if we pick kind of four, five, six explode or potentially explosive massive back rows, one of them's got to come good, right? Mm. And they picked um Calamaphoni, Dave Denton, Mapapalangi, uh Mike Will Mike Williams, even someone like Fitzgerald as a lock slash six. Guy Thompson. Guy Thompson's the only one that guy, I really like. Guy, yeah, Guy, like guy Thompson is is but, of all of those, they were kind of hoping that one would turn into the the kind of explosive, maybe a Henry Tuolagi type ball carrier. 
and none of them have. Yep. And whether that's whether that's because their type five isn't good enough, whether that they weren't good enough in the first place, but they, they've, it's like they've rolled that money ball dice and tried to be smart. Do you know? And it's do you know, just not worked. Do you know who spotted a, a player that would have just completely changed Leicester's team? Was Rich, it you Rich, watching the Island Under Twenty Ones? Was it Olsen Delan or someone? <laughs> uh, Richard, Rich, Richard Cockrell getting in Bill Matter. So Richard, yes. Richard Cockrell knows what knows what's happening, doesn't he? Which again, did, you just well, he, I wonder what he is. I wonder what he is, but I don't know actually if he brought him in. Well, I mean, we we can find out probably, very very shortly. Probably, yeah, we can. We, we we've uh, yeah got a special guest in a minute, but um, not Richard Cockrell, unfortunately, because I'd love to chat to him. But what must he be making of this? And what must Leicester, what must well, Leicester fans be thinking of this? You know, I think Leicester yeah. or the yearning for a reunion with either. Dean Richards or Richard Cockrell. That's right. That's what I think. Dean Richards that strike, strikes me as the guy, but apparently he <laughs> won't go back until is it uh, Tom? What's his name? The the chairman? I don't know. It's uh, him who is the block for Dino going back. Peter Wheeler was the chairman, or is the chairman? Do you think know. Tom's? I, I, I don't. I don't know anything about the internal politics and what. It's like Game, well, it's like Game of Thrones uh, uh, over at Tigers. One thing we do know about the internal politics is that they want a coach who is a Leicester coach, as in he's been at the club, knows the club. That's why they employed Matt O'Connor two or or three times, however many times they employed Matt O'Connor. I think at that time... They kept going back. Yeah, I think think at that point, that's when you need to get fired, really. I mean, I'm not a big fan (laughs) of saying that. You just fire, you know, senior, senior management. But I think at that point, when you've been through, you know, you've got rid of two, what turns out to be bloody good coaches. So you've got Cockrell and you've got um, Major. Major. Two great coaches in their own right. You mix them, it's like mixing oil and water. So then you ruin two great coaches. You replace those guys with a guy who just was not cut out for the role in any way, shape or form. I mean, you can, you can sometimes, like, you know. Is it easy well, Olive, olive oil and balsamic vinegar. You know, don't don't mix, but but they but they're very complimentary. No, that is true, actually, Tim. That is very 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 true. It makes me makes me makes me doubt my judgment for the first time ever. <laughs> but but rele- relegation is a serious pro- possibility. No, it's not. They'll just ring fence. If Leicester go down, they've got too much political clout. Uh, still, when I'm war gaming it out, I, I still think Worcester. I mean, but I thought that before the week. Worcester could. Tim, can I borrow your cable, please? You've, you already have the the one which I replaced it with. Yeah, sure. Um, I still think Worcester are favourites to go down, even though they've got the points on the board over Newcastle. Just the, when you look at the run-ins, but then Flipping Worcester went and won on the road in Bristol. Bristol could get, uh, Bristol could get sucked into it. Wasps could, could theoretically even get sucked into it. Yeah, like yeah. The, the record no, the record number of points for anyone that's gone down before is thirty eight, but that doesn't look like it's going to be enough this time. Yeah, oh, it's mad, isn't it? Well, it, the Worcester game, if we touch on that very briefly, was interesting. Peak so, BBT's back. Well, the the Worcester Warriors getting their uh, international boys back. Josh Adams scores. Ben Teo scores. England international Ted Hill scores. Yep. Um, very, very interesting for for them to sneak this victory. Yeah. And it was, it was the early onslaught from Worcester. They scored... Pretty much all their points, apart from one penalty, all their points were in the first half, and they built up a lead and held it. Yeah, fair play, fair play. 
Did anyone watch the Bath Exeter game today? In fact, did you you worked the sale game, didn't you? Worked the sale game and um, the Friday night game. Yeah, Northampton last night. All right, Northampton. Did you watch Bath? Yeah. So I've got a few things to say about Bath. If anyone's interested in a few things, I've got to say about them. Okay. Go on. Oh, by the way, just at the other end of the table. Um, no, so before we move yeah, on sure. from that, just the, the the general state of the table. Exeter have now qualified for the quarterfinals with five rounds to go, which is the earliest anyone's ever done that. And it just goes to show, and why would you want to get rid of relegation? Because what would we be talking about, and who would care right We'd now? We'd find something to talk about. I mean, yeah, we've got Europe we've this got weekend Twitch, you can we? get excited about, and in, and in another couple of months we could get excited about the playoffs, or six weeks or whatever, we can get excited about the playoffs, but who care? Who would care about dissecting the weekend's games just gone with... I mean, because really there would only be... There would be the race for top four, top, yeah. top six... No, you, so, you're, you're struggling to find the storylines that make you care. It's tricky, isn't it? It's tricky. How about we do it this way? We, we we ring fence, okay? And you have 13 teams. The thing is, if you get relegated, your whole club has to sit out of the competition for an entire year. <laughs> so it's still ring, ring fence. You can still come back in, but your stadium stays empty. You're closed down the club shop. No one's allowed to come into work. <laughs> I'm up for ring fencing the championship and the premiership and trying to grow. And and that is basically below championship. You, you, there's, there's just no, don't you? They, then they wouldn't even bother with semi-pro rugby. Yeah. It's like just. Well, I honestly think we should not be. I, I think English rugby could do with the restructure. And again, this is one of the you know those things everyone thinks I'm a little bit mad for saying. I'm not even sure there should be any money after the premiership. I think it should sort of regionalise. And then everyone plays regional games because maybe the championship. But if you think about below the championship where you were playing when you're at Manchester, you know, it takes so much effort for really good players. And Newbury, don't forget my hometown club as well. Newbury, yeah. Did you did someone coach you there who's famous? Yeah. Uh, well, it was uh, Keith Richardson, former Welsh coach. No, and, I'm not uh, thinking, it's not him. Not him I'm thinking uh, of. Oh, but, oh, but, oh, Ben Ryan. Oh, Ben Ryan, yes, Ben Ryan. Um, yeah, so you know, if you think about your situation or your situation, Phil. If you wanted to go and play a game, depending where it was, that could be your whole weekend written off. Now, it's okay if you're you know, 25 or something with no family. But as you get older and you still want to be in the game, you can't really commit to that unless you put some money into it. So I actually think you know, regionalising rugby uh, much higher up the game would be far, far healthier. And you actually get proper games that people, people, care, people care about. I would certainly be... I think there should be a cut-off for where clubs can pay. It's never going to happen because you'd have to start auditing clubs um, like the salary cap. But I think beyond about level, uh, maybe level four, paying beyond level four, I think is ridiculous. Oh, it's nonsense. Well, but I, 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 I know, I know guys now who are playing level five or even lower who are picking up fairly handy, like considerable sums to supplement other jobs. Yeah, that's, that's not, any of, our, that's not that any of our business how p- individuals want to spend their oh, no. money. If, if they want to spend it on rugby players, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think know. the point is, it's, it's yeah, just, there is a... I just don't think you need you to spend socialist, it. Phil. Yeah. You're on your, bre- you're on your Brexit mark and now trying to bring <laughs> in socialism as well. <laughs> joke. It's a joke. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> have I, you got FBPE on your, on your Twitter account that you lurk on? No, you know my Twitter account, Tim. It's very, very private. Very. So I might be sliding into your some DMs. JJ, hashtag JC four PM. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, if you regionalised it, like you'd get 
big clubs, uh, you know, the Manchester, Manchester when they were, you know, back, you know, back in the day, or says when they were big, yeah, yeah, or whoever it is, playing other locally big clubs, and then you take, you know, it also Manchester v Preston Grasshoppers v yeah. Waterloo, v brilliant, yeah. like it would be really, really good, well, and it would I... also bring a bit of kudos back to the, back to the National Cup because I would care then, I, I do, yeah, yeah. God, there's, there, I will say when when I was playing a national one. Going to play an away game in like Barking, and you just get the bus down, get arrive at Manchester Rugby Club, park your car in the car park, get on the bus at six thirty a.m. You don't get back till one a.m. the next day, and for eighty minutes of rugby, yeah, for for going down, for, going down to Red Roof, well. oh Red Roof, going oh God, Red Roof, Red Roof or Cornish Cornish Pirates, I mean, away. Lo- lovely part or of the Lonsdon. world, but you you don't want to go, you don't just. Yeah. When, you, you, when you've got a job and family and all the rest of oh it. Oh, yeah, and I'll, I'll add the kicker. You're on the bench and it's not interchanges. Oh, man. <laughs> what was it? Well, you, it would start... I've done multiple trips down to Red Roof and Launceston that started at midday on a Friday. Oh, God, I know. So you'd, get, you'd have to get the afternoon off work to get to Sedgley at midday, one o'clock on a Friday, and then spend eight, nine hours yeah. in Friday afternoon rush hour traffic yeah, and for to get down goal, to a hotel. An extra, an extra eight grand a year. You're not after the European Cup. <laughs> you know, that's why I, I think we should all be what, A lot less than that at times as well. But yep. to bring it back, I'm. This is why I don't want ring fencing. Long may promotion relegation continue, and that I, let's hope there's nothing cynical happens. If uh, oh well, if they're not losing Leicester Tigers, mate, they're not losing Leicester Tigers. Well, I mean, this is one way you could. I mean, it was Steve Parrott on Twitter, who, by the way, takes control of Exeter Chiefs. Twitter account on match days and is very very good value. He uh he very the, good. He put the Exeter team up as starters and put the lineup and then he put what was it fairy dust sprinklers. You know, oh, nice. you know some people said finishes. Uh, his was fairy dust sprinklers was the bench, <laughs> but um, non-starters. But he said they have been looking at ways to try and you know um get a bit more money into the championship. Less less the Tigers going down would be one way to do that. Goodness, it'd be amazing. It was just their travelling fans. You know, they, these things, I know no lesser Tigers fan on earth wants to experience going down. <coughs> but these things do actually have an impact on fans. I, I interviewed Bruce Brehana. Bruce. Bruce. Bruce Brehana. Bruce Brehana. <laughs> Bruce Brehana, right? And obviously one of the most interesting things for me is he stayed with the club yeah. when they went down. Yeah. And, Carlos, yeah. and Carlos Spencer signed. And, Will Greenwood yeah. stayed with Quinns. Yeah, and I bet the Northampton fans and the Quinns fans that stuck with them when they went to the championship and went all up and down the country to these minor grounds, bet they had a, a, a whale of a time. Now, yeah. again, Leicester Tiger fans, I'm not saying this is what you want. You want to win the European Cup. That's not going to happen. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? Because Every the don't exactly they don't exactly struggle for club identity, do, do they? Seeing, like, Leicester v Nottingham local derby at, at, <laughs> at Lady Bay where Nottingham currently play would be amazing because there's actually they actually they have old fashioned the the actual roped off around the edge of the nice. pitch it'd be like that'd be so good seeing Leicester Tigers there just I mean I don't want I don't want I don't want any particular team to go down but I want the worst team in the competition to go down yes exactly it, well that's what, over 22 games it is a meritocracy exactly so right. you, you are where you deserve to be oh god it's exciting it really is um Yes, Bath, games. Exeter. Bath Exeter. Yes. So here's something for you. Do you think Bath are basically like England? I hadn't thought of it before, okay. but go on. 
Well, in terms of how they're built and the composition of the team, they strike me as they play a fairly similar way. They're pretty brutal. They're very good up front. They've got a reasonably good set piece. Uh, they love a big ball carrier up the middle. And when they get it right, like they did at the start of the Exeter game, um, I thought they were they were brilliant at times. They were really, really good. Oh, and there's also Joe uh, Joe uh, Cock and a singer on the wing who they massively overrate. So there, there are there, you know there are um, parallels to, to England, but then they let it slip. And I think when people when you when you answer what Bath have with a bit more you know a bit a bit of aggression, you get par- get parity with them. They just fall to pieces. And that's exactly like England as well, is what you're saying. The whole thing is like England, yeah. I mean, they're just built around big ball carriers. When it goes well, it really goes well. They're Great. a nightmare to play against, but actually they're not that that effective. Fantastic. So, in uh, chess pieces. Yeah. Not not always played as they should. Mm. So who, who would you compare, Jay, who do you compare Exeter to then? I don't know is the answer. Saracens. Would be would be the obvious one. <laughs> um, uh, I I tell you what, there were flashes of George Ford out of Simmons today. The way he shapes for that pass. No, no, but nationally, yeah. internationally, but would you would you say Exeter are like New Zealand? Ireland would be my would be my. You like Ireland, yeah? Uh, very yeah. very 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 structured. Uh, do the basics well. Tighten tighten up when they need to be. Massive I mean, power game. They are ferocious. They are, aren't they? I honestly thought that Bath were going to do them do them today. I, I looked at the team sheet and I was like, mm, Jay Roberts gets over the line. Their bench is awesome. They've, they've got un- Underhill coming back to slam people, and he did slam someone. Um, you, you know, they've just got a lot. They've got a lot of weapons there. Uh, um, Abano's back in, which is great to see. Turns out it didn't work out quite according to plan. Should have well, yeah. You should have. You should have learned that it's Exeter Chiefs at home. Yeah, they look so good. So um, yeah, even though I did, you know, I, McConaughey, McConaughey, how do you say his name? Yeah, Rod, Rory McConaughey. How, how old is he? Where's he from? Uh, England sevens player. England sevens, 20, yeah, twenty five, something like that. He's electric. He's absolutely maybe slightly older, even might even be. Yeah, but really. Yeah, I mean, he is so good. First he, season, oh, he back played in so well. Yeah, and let me raise this controversial question: Where are we with Joe Cocknessinger? Not as an international. I think we all agree on you're, him. There. You're so reactive. Uh, I, am I? He has, he has, <laughs> one, av- he has one average hang game. On, hang and... on. Is this the first time I've mentioned Joe Cock and a singer? Uh, well, I, I remember after the Italy game, I think Phil and I, I can't remember what you said exactly, but I know Phil and, Phil and I said, oh, he had a really good game. Would definitely not pick him for, for the Scotland match. I would go with Jack Knoll over him and... Uh, if everyone was available, maybe even there's other players that would get in ahead of him. I so, have been... so, so we we weren't we weren't we we were. I think we by that I mean Phil and I were admiring his talents and equally saying there are deficiencies, there are things to work on. Um, he's not the finished article, so we wouldn't have him. And this is at a time when that was a very unfashionable thing to say. People, it was like he's got. Why is he not playing against Scotland? Yeah. Well, I started. Um... This campaign against Joe Cognacinger. It isn't a campaign against Joe, Joe Cognacinger. But, like, for Irish, I thought the guy's obviously talented, but I just thought the game moved too fast for him when he first broke into the Premiership. And that's not, you know, he's 19 years old. You know, he's doing amazingly well to be playing Premiership rugby at 19 years old. I don't think he's a terrible player. And then when I hear that. Uh, Far you, from it. Yeah, exactly. But you look at Lewington on, on the other wing, and he's killing it. Lewington goes, Saracens is excellent. And I think that. Bath have overpaid for him. No, I'm not. Well, well, I, the paid for his ta- the paid salaries. For his... Salaries aside, which I don't know, 
he in on some big stages in European matches, he has been the man. Um, he has he, done the business. He's definitely, definitely improved from where he was. He, at some Irish. of his finishing has been amazing. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He is a good player, but I think Bath have paid for his potential, not what he actually does for them. Well, it's okay. They're allowed to pay. They're allowed, they can, to, they're allowed to do that. <laughs> they are. Is it a wise move? I mean, if you're if you're um, a squad member, and this guy's come in on two hundred and forty, does does that un, you know, unsettle the squad? If that's what he's on, I don't know if he is. He's made it up. If you're McConaughey or... I don't really understand your point. I just don't think he's playing well. I don't think... No, I think he's overrated. That's exactly, exactly okay. what I'm saying. Okay. I, I, I possibly tend to agree he is overrated, but only because people are comparing him to Jonah Loma. Yeah, that doesn't which, help. Which, which, going back to the Italy game, was kind of the, the main thing I wanted to temper. Um, I think comparing him to Jonah Loma after one good game against Italy is absolutely ludicrous. Do you know what's amazing? Like, he's a big, strong, powerful guy. And I think that's the other thing as well. He's so big, he's so strong, he's so powerful, and he's fast. You know, those are alluring qualities, and they're easy for people to recognise. Um, and, and they're very hard to, like... Yeah. You, can't teach, you cannot teach that. You cannot teach someone to be 18 stone and run a 10.5 second 100 metres. Yeah, you just can't teach that. He will come good. I'm sure he will. I'm sure, actually, in the long he term, will. when you look at what Bath paid for him, you're like, okay, yeah, maybe it works. He, but at the moment, yeah. he isn't doing that. Yeah. I, I still think he's overrated compared to what he oh. is because everyone looks at what he could be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the amazing thing is, he's actually smaller than Jonah Lomu. Yes. He's actually yeah. smaller. What? <laughs> yeah. What? So he's a big boy. What? Right, but like, I think Lomu's like an inch taller and a stone heavier. Like, it, yeah. can you wow. imagine? I mean, like, Cognizant Singer's a big boy, and imagine how what he... much how much bigger is Nairavoro than Lomu? I don't know, but yeah, I reckon. I reckon he's obviously. I, I, think, I think he's about. Yeah, I think Nairavoro might be about a stone heavier. Yeah, it, de- it depends because I've seen lots of different listed weights for Nairavoro, and this sounds because I think he. When you're when you're that big, I think you can fluctuate quite easily, isn't that right, Jay? That is absolutely right, mate. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, it's it, it just shows what an amazing athlete John Lomu was. I mean, here's another thing: how big would John Lomu be today? As in, I don't mean like I mean like to, physically, because be, when you look at him yeah. now, you think oh, that's just like a normal a normal size proportion big big bloke because he was big, but he didn't have the strength and conditioning that these lads have now. So these lads look like super athletes. It, I reckon he put he might put on another stone. Well, I more, yes, more, probably more, possibly more. But I would disagree with you slightly. Obviously, he would be even better conditioned and even better. But that was one of the reasons why he was so good is because he was well ahead of the game in terms of conditioning. He was, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, That's... I didn't know that. What like yeah, his gym work and what, what yeah. have you? Did yeah. not know that. Yeah, yeah, because well, he he. After retiring from rugby, he actually had a stint uh, in kind of amateur bodybuilding. Uh, we've all been there, <laughs> right? Other game. Let's let's run through the other games because yeah. I want. I've got some. Uh, I've got another ten Lagunitas I want to drink tonight. Right. Yeah. Of okay. Well, anyway, anyway, it's not about you deciding. We want to. We've got a guest. We want to get. Yeah. On the phone. Actually, Phil. You, 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 oh yeah. You uh, you can go. We, uh, we're going to. Go what do you want to say quickly? What do you want to say about anything else? Uh, well, other than my beloved Ulster have taken a few steps to. Best JB's beloved Benetton. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about this, but go on then. <laughs> well, actually, well, no, hold that thought. Hold that thought because tell us about 
Ulster, we'll leave the Benetton chat for our next guest. Well, it's a fairly routine win for Ulster. Bonus point win at home to the, the Kings. Um, Kurt Sia coming back and scoring a try is really, really important. He's not played since January. Um, and it's very important ahead of next week's yeah. um, almost impossible game. You might, you might, you might lose by a more respectable margin next week now. <laughs> yes, that's kind of where I am. But very important for Ulster. Um, but Benetton losing away at Connacht, Connacht um, looking like they're, they're edging towards the third spot in Pool A of the Guinness Pro 14. Mm. So that that's an important couple of results in the season. Yeah. And Edinburgh winning, well, bonus point yeah, win yeah. against Leinster so, as well. I told you to look out for my boy John Barkley coming back. <laughs> He's back, so uh, that's, that, that's great. Yeah, and, and they're... Yeah, the battle in Conference B is on for that third place and fourth place, which will be a playoff, obviously, yep. for the seventh Heineken Cup spot for next year. Well, uh, but that particular pool, yeah, Ulster in the mix, uh, Edinburgh in the mix, and Benetton in the mix. That's all I wanted to say. All right, well, and well, enjoy your, lang- enjoy you, your did Langanitas. You, did you see the little scuffle between Danny Kerr and Liam Williams? I did not. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. It was... Yes. It, it was... A, it was a weird scuffle. I thought it was very well handled by um, JP Doyle. Oh, I, 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 I've got so much time for JP Doyle, but I, I actually disagree with you on this one. I've not seen it, Go so on. we can discuss. Go on. So, um, Strettel scores a try in the corner. Yes. The rook. So he scores in the right corner. The rook from the left corner that was the kind of the penultimate rook or the last rook before that try. Danny Kerr and Liam Williams both get to their feet as the rooks ended. Kerr pushes Williams and then Williams tackles Kerr off the ball. And then they both get up. There's a bit of pushing. Kerr does quite a nice judo throw on Williams and then a bit more pushing. So it's kind of six and one half a dozen of the other. But they're both at fault. And JP Doyle, rather than awarding the try, comes back and says, look, what you were doing was stupid. You ignored the touch judge who was trying to stop you. So I'm going for a penalty uh, against both of you. I don't think he needed to sin bin him. That's where I, I think he probably got it wrong. Because they, they'd shaken hands by that point. But I thought the rest of it was, was quite well handled. Uh, I, I didn't. I don't agree, actually. I, I think it had absolutely no material effect on the game whatsoever. It was handbags. Let the boys play, as you say. They shook hands, and you know. So that that's the kind of incident that I actually kind of no. It, it didn't start a mass brawl and a mass scuffle, which sometimes I understand when that happens. You have to go, hold on, what caused that? Let's have a look here. In the way that the referee did in the Newcastle Sale game when he had a look at an alleged bite that caused a big, a big ruckus. So I understand going and having a look at that. But in this case, it was just two guys, like you say, a little bit, of, a little bit of pushing and shoving. Nothing, nothing too bad. They both ended up getting yellow carded. But what what seems strange for me is it ended with Saracens getting a penalty, but not getting a try. So I would, have, yeah, I would have preferred try given. Have a little word with the two of them, going, "What, what, what are you playing at?" Or give the try and go, "You two, go and take ten minutes." But I don't, I don't like it. Was no try, penalty, penalty, yellow card, yellow card. See, I actually like I actually like the no try because even though it didn't have a material effect at all on whether that try would have been scored or not, 
Um, I think Liam Williams tackling care off the ball was just stupid. So I, I almost like Saracens receiving the whole team receiving a penalty because he was stupid. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So, I can see that. so I'm, I'm happy with that. I, I think the yellow was probably unnecessary because they'd already shaken hands. They were already laughing about it. Um, but if you want to create more space on the pitch, a few more yellows. Yeah. <laughs> See that, Phil. Right. Enjoy your Lagunitas. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Pleasure as always. See you later, mate. In a bit. Oh. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Good, good. And we needed to clear that line. Yes, we did. Because in looking ahead to the Champions Cup and Challenge Cup quarterfinals, we have a guest. Yes, let's see if he picks up the phone. Grant Gilchrist, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, guys. How are we doing? Yeah, all good. Um, we're just about to begin a week, which is all building up to a, an unbelievable uh, weekend of rugby. One of the highlights for which will be, be your game against Munster. Just... Uh, where the, obviously we'll talk about the game you had at the weekend, but um, just where's the mind at right now, Grant? Uh, it's going to be a huge week for the club. Uh, long time since since we've been in a position. Uh, I think it's seven years since uh, the last time we were in the quarterfinals of this right? tournament. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I was lucky enough to play um, seven years ago at Murrayfield when we beat Toulouse. So you know, it was a really special day, something that that stands out in my mind. So. Yeah, right. exciting, exciting week. Right, so have you been there for that for that long? Are you one of the long? Yeah, you must be like the longest serving player there, or one of. Um, well, Fordy's been there a bit longer than me. He's he he'll be into the course. Yeah. Um, no, even not. I wouldn't even want to guess how long Fordy's been there. It feels like forever, but <laughs> still looks like a young man to me. Um, but then, yeah. So it, yeah, it's it's an exciting week. You know, we're going to work really hard. Um, as I'm sure, as we always do with, with Cockers, but um, yeah, it's it's a one-off, isn't it? A quarter-final. Um, hopefully, you know, our ticket sales are going really well. So if, if we can better the crowd than we had last time, you know, I think it was thirty-nine thousand last time. So we're looking to hopefully beat that. It'll be really, really special. Oh, and, and you know, for a lot of the the boys who have now played for Edinburgh in a, in a game. With that many fans watching us, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be now, really cool. Now, la- now, last time that you guys were operating in Europe, uh, Phil Matter threw one. Well, in one particular case, an outrageous offload. What's that guy like to train with uh, day in day out? Is, is he is he that good <laughs> continuously? Uh, yeah, yes, <laughs> game in game out, game in game out, and uh, yeah, day in day out. Um, he he's a special talent. Um, I think. You know, everybody sees that offload, but the thing that stands out for me, Bill, with Bill, is 
how well he carries for us and gets us on the front foot and, and tight channels as well. Like obviously, he has the Fijian magic in him, but I think if you watch him regularly for us, he, he's, he's such a vital player. You know, he gets us, you know, you can run into a brick wall and make five, ten yards and it gets you on the front foot and it's that kind of, those kind of carries that are, that are vital in getting your game going. So, you know, we love him a bit. In, t- in terms of training uh, as well, I'm imagining... I, I can't imagine how annoying Darcy Graham must be in a game of in a game of warm up touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd stay far away from him. He's got far too naughty feet. Be anywhere near me, I wouldn't want to defend him. <laughs> and the uh, one thing I really, I really did want to ask you as well, Grant, is um, obviously you were delighted. You got yourself a home quarter final um, after a brilliant um, pool campaign in, in a really, really tough group, and. Did, how much did it take the shine off that by by qualifying in that way you also snuck Glasgow in through the back door? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's uh, yeah, you know, we have a good rivalry with Glasgow, so we don't like to give them too much. But I think on, on this occasion, it, yeah, it's it's really good for Scottish rugby to, to have two teams in the quarterfinal is, is massive. So, so you... um, it's about it's about the bigger picture. But then you know, when we play them in a, a few weeks' time, uh, we won't be looking to give them and do them any favours. Then that's for sure. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I mean, what you're effectively saying is you were happy to do a charitable favour to. Uh, <laughs> Your feet, yeah, yeah. Is that what you say? Yeah, yeah, we, we'll help them out, you know. Hopefully they'll return the favour at some point. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, th- I, w- I want to hear your thoughts on, on Richard Cockrell then, because obviously it's a whole team effort and a whole, you know, the, there's a whole coaching staff and there's a bigger picture cause with a close connection with the with the Scottish and everything that Greg is doing there. But just on the man, Richard Cockrell, how have you found him? Um, I've been... He's been exactly what the clubs needed. Um, he's probably exactly what I needed. You know, I'd, I'd come back from a, a couple of years of of tough injuries and a, a year where I didn't really find my form. And you know, a guy who's first and foremost a really good rugby coach. Um, obviously, he gets known for the you know his his character more than his coaching. But I think that the first thing. Is, I think this that stands out is he's is a bloody good rugby coach. Um but more the culture that he brought in suited the the group of players we had, the, the position the club was in and you know, we we've pretty simple there's a pretty simple mindset under Cockers. You work really hard, um, you turn up physically on the weekend and, and we look to get better week in, week out and, and that's that's about it, you know, as long as you keep your head down and keep grafting hard then he won't have too much to say. But if he thinks that you're, you know, slipping off or, or being a bit soft, then you can imagine uh, the kind of the kind of treatment that you get, which is is not ideal. But you know, it keeps us keeps us on the right track. And I think, yeah, you've seen by our results, you've seen by the way we're playing, um, it's working. And yeah, so uh, I think that sums up pretty well. Can I make a recommendation? In fact, Lord, I should ask you if any of you have. Have any of the guys read his autobiography? I haven't, no. Uh, can, can I recommend you do that? Because, I mean, you, you'll know the mind of the man, but it's amazing. There's things like, I can't remember, what player was it? I can't remember which hooker he was playing against. But he basically says, uh, oh, I was, uh, I really respected this hooker, but then he saw me at the bottom of a ruck and he didn't he, he didn't take a cheap shot and stamp on me, so I, <laughs> I can't respect him anymore. I, I, I love his confrontational mentality. And, um, yeah, that definitely comes through. In the through onto the pitch, JB, you were going to ask Grant some of these. Yeah, um, are you boys allowed to play music music in the gym yet? 
in the gym. Yeah, yeah, we had to we had to win a game, a competitive game. So pre-season games didn't count. Uh, so it was a long pre-season in a in a silent gym, but you know that's good for the oh. mentality. So you had to do um, it all pre-season silently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah. We had to earn it. So in the first season, we had to earn the chance to get some tunes in the gym. Um, so when we got that first win. You know, morale was was boosted hugely, um, and then it came to the second preseason. I think boys just assumed that oh, we'll, we'll get we'll get students in the gym from day one. But now it was back to you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Same, love that. same again. You I know, you've that. got you've got to you got to earn it. So the, the sound and who's the, who's the sound, uh, of, the sound of silence in the gym. <laughs> who's team DJ? Who's team DJ? Um, I don't even know. Uh, usually Sean Kennedy would be one that usually gets the tunes on uh, I can remember but I think it, in the gym at Murrayfield we, we've got like a, a sound system thing that's hooked up all the time so boys can just go and put whatever oh, yeah. whatever yeah, like, they want on I, I, which I, is, I, what do you guys listen to I guess it's lots of Texas Bay City Rollers <laughs> I mean uh, yeah there's a lot of wet, wet, stuff, wet. Yeah, Proclaimers <laughs> as well yeah, that's yeah. it. That's all. We're, that's all we listen to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, stacks up. These young rugby players now, though, with like, I bet you, have, I bet you have to listen to loads of mumble rap and stuff like yeah, that, don't you? Rubbish. Uh, now, and, now and again, it, yeah. yeah, it starts starts to right. yeah get a bit. It's, it's it's varied. I think that's that would be one thing. Is glad to hear it. Now, um, we'll, we'll get on to Munster in a second, but just briefly, it, the, the I was absolutely delighted to see your man John Barkley back you love John Barkley too I much, absolutely too. love him got a man cross on the guy he's he's <laughs> one of the nicest men in, in rugby you know fantastic to see him back in a World Cup year and at an, a really crucial time because you know Europe aside you've got a, you've got a battle on in the Pro 14 yeah we've got a huge battle on um, it's great to, it's great to have John back he's um, you know he was our probably our big our, our biggest signing last season and obviously um his injury is what it was. It was a horrible one, and you know he's had to work really hard. We've seen him, you know, grafting away. Um, him and one of the strength condition, the kind of rehab coach. You just see him with him, you know, almost day in day out, grafting in the gym, getting getting the Achilles right. So uh, knowing what he's been through, to then seeing him on the pitch again on, on Friday night was awesome. So you know, I was delighted for him. He played really well as well as. As you know, you'd expect somebody to be a little bit rusty, but I thought I thought he played really well, and you know, somebody has experience and and his ability at this time of the year is going to be going to be great for us. It's almost like getting a new signing um, for the kind of last four games of the season, which, like you said, we're mm. in a right battle and our pool is so tight. You know, there's four of us and two are going to get the the playoff spots, and our running is. Yeah, you know, Scarlet's Ulster, Glasgow is, is not the easiest running, so we're going to be need to be at our very best in every game. You know, we've obviously got the the big quarter final this weekend, but you know, the week after that, we go away to Scarlet's, and and it's arguably just as big. So yeah, I um, mean, it's, it's certainly we're going to need everyone in the squad, and to have uh, John back is is going to help that. Yeah, hundred percent. And obviously, some teams would be in a position where they're able to rest and rotate with the Europe. You've, I mean, you've got yourself and and Stuart McAnally that can that can come back in and, and vie for contention as well. But yeah, you had to get that win against Leinster, a fantastic win. Also against Irish opposition. Um, where do you where do you think the key battleground is? Where do you think the game's going to be won or lost come Saturday? Uh, 
up front against Munster. You know, we um, we know you know the way that Munster like to play. You know, they they've got a strong forward pack and they like to dominate up front. And they were, you know, one of the best nines in the world, Conor Murray, who kicks well and they chase well and they put you under pressure. Um, and if you if you exit poorly or if you get done in up front, then then you're going to lose the game. So. Um, I think, yeah, from that point of view, it's pretty clear they're not too dissimilar to the way we play. Actually, you know, we we're we've got a good pack and we we exit well and and use Henry uh, box kicking game to to put pressure on opposition and and Munster play quite similarly. So I see it being a bit of an arm wrestle, but uh, you know. Um, both teams will be looking to, to get on top of that and whoever does I think whoever does in, at the front five or um, in, the, in the pack as a whole will, will win the game I reckon uh, Grant uh, in pre-season when the team gets together and they put together their goal setting and where you expect to be um, what was your ambition for what was your ambition for Europe was it was it uh, quarters was it, uh, was it semi or have you actually exceeded that yet um, under Cockers, we, well, it was probably the first time that um, we had a coach that just said, uh, "I don't want to say where we're going to end up at the end of the year." So we we don't actually have. We've never set a target. We we set a target to to prepare to the best of our ability every week. So to train hard and prepare well, and to try and win every game that we're in and see where it takes us. Um, so we've never, as a group, sat down and said, you know, we want to be in the semi, we want to be in the quarters. Um, yeah. We just, we, not- our mindset has just been to try and win, win every game that we're involved in and see where it takes us. So, and it, you know, to be fair, it's been, it's been a good mindset for, for the club and for the, for the boys to be, you know, we're not thinking too far ahead. We just look at every game and, yeah, you know, take it, take it that comes. Train hard in the week and, and try and get the win on the Friday or the Saturday. Yeah, because I am kind of kind of amazed when I hear about teams' goal setting and the goals are like a semi final of a cup. Well, why not the why not the actual cup or like top four? Well, why not top two? Yeah, well, like you say, it's about being realistic as well. Mm. You know, Cockers was so the first year. You know, he he didn't want to say anything because he he didn't know how well we were going to do. So he just wanted rather than making something up on the spot and just coming up with something for the sake of it, it was more, well, you know, we can we can make sure that we prepare properly every week and, and play our best rugby. And, and if, if we win on Saturday, then, then great. And if we don't, then we need to work hard the next week. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been more about the mindset than, than looking too far into the results. And I think, um, well, certainly... From from my perspective, it's it's been quite refreshing to not have that. You know, we're gonna we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. Obviously, we put pressure on ourselves to to do well, but at the same time, it's it's been more on a week to week week basis rather than a looking at you know block of games or a season wide goal. Mm. All right, well, I've just got two more two more questions for you. I want um I want you. They're pretty heavy. Um, first first of all, just give me a quick prediction. Of uh, where of how you think the game will go on the weekend? Uh, um, well, I'd like to think we'll win. So um, any kind of win, I'll be happy with. But um, do you want me to give you a number? Give, give me some numbers. Go on. Um, I'm going to say I'll say it'll be close. So eighteen, 
1812. Yeah, excellent. 1812. I I will take take that to the bank. Now I'm the, so looking forward to this game. I'm yeah, really. I can't wait. It's going to be dynamite. <laughs> which, which I think that says everything about where Edinburgh. Yeah. Have have got themselves and the, the incredible job that everyone's done as a squad. That I, I look at the all all of the games. That's one of the ones I'm most excited yeah, about. I completely can't agree. wait. Um, oh. And the last question for you, and I warn you, this is quite heavy. Um, like we do a lot of our well, we do all of our recording on a Sunday, which is difficult because um, when we try and get get a rugby player in, they're often out for dinner. It's a, it, it's a last chance to get a cheat meal in uh, before they're back onto rice rice and chicken for the rest of the week. So, what was your uh, what um, uh, what was your dinner this evening? What was a dinner tonight? I had, uh, my wife cooked me a, a lovely Sunday roast, so I was I was treated. I've just moved house, so we've just sorted our kitchen out this afternoon. So we we. Just a nice roast chicken, Yorkshire puddings as well. So that was my Sunday. Good man, excellent. Tim, you got anything else for Grant? No, just uh, go well, uh, go well, and, and oh, uh, give my uh, give my love to to John Barkley. Love yeah. that guy. Lo- absolutely love that guy. I love cockers as well. <laughs> I, I want. I want. Co- I miss cockers from. Uh, I work. Do some of the work on um, on BT Sports. So it's nice the European weekends because occasionally you bump into cockers, and he's he's always an absolute pleasure. And what I love about him so much, actually, which it's is for someone who's from such like salt of the earth working class roots, he's like an unbelievably intelligent, articulate guy. I, I can't remember what was the job he did before uh, scaffolder, was, was, scaffolder was or something, wasn't it? Yeah, just um, I think he's uh, his rugby intellect's amazing. So um, yeah, go well, all the very best, Grant. Yeah, thanks no, for your time. Thanks, thanks very much. No worries at all. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Cheers, man. Cheers, man. I'm so excited about that game. It's going to really be a am. quality game. Uh, so uh, now that Edinburgh have guaranteed themselves an eighteen twelve win, guaranteed. So Philip, you betting best passing account. Well, let's let, let's look at the other Scottish match then, yeah. because it is yeah. Edinburgh are at home to Munster. I I do think Edinburgh will win this. I completely agree with you. I'm not just saying that. I mean, yeah. if you saw how they competed in the in the in the pool matches, they they're, they're they're absolutely quality against some big teams. They had Toulon, they had um, Glasgow. Uh, mm. Sorry, Glasgow. Um, Montpellier, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm basically going with Edinburgh, uh, and I think let's let's look at Glasgow. Then I think they can. I don't think they will. I predict Saracens will win, but I think Glasgow. I've definitely got a win in them at Saracens. I think they definitely haven't. I'm afraid. I think Saracens will crush them. Yeah. It's, Sorry, I, I'd, I'd like to be with you on that on the feel good Scottish feeling, but um, no, I don't. I don't see it. It's more that I don't think we've. Saracens haven't really sparked yet in in the way, and this is business time when Saracens normally the cogs start cranking. And uh, yeah, yeah, was it two years ago they played Glasgow in a quarter final and just blew them away, smashed them, smashed absolutely them, like, first half, demolished them. And there's a big travelling crowd, I mean, and I wonder if that will make a, a difference because I would say that Glasgow team then, when they were coming down with Finn Russell and all their stars, that's when they really felt. I mean, they might have even been Pro 14 champions at the time. And that's when I think that they felt they had a really good chance. I do not think that this version of Glasgow is as good as that ver- version of Glasgow. And with that in their mind, it's going to be very difficult for well, them. Well, no, actually, it's because they've played Saracens so much. Obviously, had them in the pool stages. Uh, was it? They in the, yeah, they had them in this pool stage. It's just gone, didn't they? I'm, am I? Was that last year? They definitely had them in the pool stage. And these pool stages seem to just emerge in. Yeah, m- yeah, m- anyway. Continue, so they've played, I think, because Glasgow have played them quite a lot and... They've got a lot of, I think, the, the sort of aura of Saracens will have been broken down. And I think, I, I don't think they will win, but I think this is going to be a lot closer than than, um, 
Right. And people are kind of thinking. So I, I, I'm going to go for Saracens narrowly, but I think Glasgow, I've just got a funny feeling they're going to put in a, a really amazing performance. Um, uh, nope. th- this one, the I mean, so we've got 12.45 on Saturday, Edinburgh Munster, 3.15 on Saturday, Saracens Glasgow. So we're both saying two home wins there. Uh, and it's 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 going to be a home win for Leinster against Ulster. This I think this will be the the, the that's going to be a big score potentially, isn't it? Yeah, Leinster have rested all their guys because unlike we just spoke to Grant there from Edinburgh, they had to play a load of their guys because they have to if they want to get qualified for the European Cup next year, they either have to win the tournament or they have to pick up their league form. So yeah, I do think Leinster will win comfortably against Ulster, comfortably in the context of us. Semi-final, uh, quarter-final, because it's not going to be easy. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, you have Racing versus Toulouse. I don't know. All I know is it's two teams who are bloody superb with loads of great players that should be superb. And for some reason, when you combine combine both the teams into the French team, they're absolutely useless. So I I have no idea. I have oh. no idea. I, I like how Racing play. There again, I I love Toulouse this year also. I, I, Rassing in their dystopian night, nightmare bowl. post-global warming post-apocalyptic yeah. bowl uh, yeah, yeah Rassing the home different uh, home advantage teams that make a bigger difference to French teams so it's going to be is is Machinod back yet because I've seen I him on know. I've seen him on, on the bench a few times well I guess he is then mm. or are they sticking with the lad with the slightly Spanish name who I who I who I forget, but anyway, the point being is I is I love is I'd love to see a Dupont versus Machinode game. That 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 that's a matchup that I look forward to. Mm-hmm. Oh, and actually, actually, carrying on with the Scottish theme, I'm going to go for Racing purely because I've got Finn Russell. Yeah, I'll go with you on that. And th- that Saturday, there's four games. It's so good because if you factor in, why have the, they done that? If you factor in the Challenge Cup, you've got one game Friday night. I will be working at this one, and obviously start. Oh, with... I'm working this one too. Oh, there you go. Start so start the weekend uh, as you mean to go on. Just wall to wall rugby Friday night, seven forty five kickoff. Sale versus Connacht in the Challenge Cup quarter final. Two teams that played each other home and away in the pool stages. Both got a win. Yeah. So I fancy, I fancy Sale in this one, but Connacht. Have I'm been, not. Mm. Connacht have been doing really well. Although Sale have been uh, without AJ McGinty and that. Sam James is a, a really great player. He's not AJ McGinty though, is he? But he's not AJ McGinty. Agreed. So, um, so this is interesting. So I'm I'm going to plug this. Um, I am doing basically your job on a very very low level, um, kind of way. Not low level, but just a different level. Uh, I'm doing it for um, the Cell uh, Shocks Facebook Live. So I'll be if you watch Facebook Live about an hour before the game. I'm doing an interview with Simon Orange. I think Steve Diamond got John Ross. Uh, I've got uh, someone else as well whose name is. Can you yeah. not upset Steve Diamond uh, too much? Yeah, yeah. Well, Just, I'm gonna. Know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll if see. You, see what I can do. And then as soon <laughs> so, as you soften him up a little bit for me. And literally, as soon as we finish with the Facebook Live uh, on our side, uh, we sell shocks. We finish it because BT Sport go, goes live, so you can then cl- uh, click off us, ah, tune into Tim, go. and away you go. So we'll have to get Phil to do so. What can Phil do? I don't know. If you can find his Twitter account that he looks on, you can go and uh, have have a little fix of Phil on Friday as well. Oh, do you know what else that we've got to do? What? Tell everyone about the Egg Chasers store. We'll do that in a second. Um, so Sale, I think, will sneak it, but it's going to be tight. Sale need to play better than they did. 
they were looking really good in the first half against Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so then on to Saturday and in the Challenge Cup, the evening kickoff, which I'll also be at Worcester Harlequins, 8.15pm. So you've got a Saturday night match as well. Four games, starting at lunchtime, right through till, well, I was going to say bedtime, but 10 o'clock's not bedtime, is it? But you know what I mean, before Close you go out. So enough. Worcester v Harlequins, um, I, I don't know what teams they're going to put out for this one. Worcester may focus on other stuff, but they've got to a quarter-final and they're at home, so I I'd hope feeling, they go for it. I have a feeling they will not put out their full team. Yeah, I have a feeling they won't either. I hope they do, but I, I think you may be right. Um, and then on Sunday, you've got La Rochelle-Bristol, should be lots of fun. That's, that will be a great game. I'd love to. I'd love to be at that game because that stadium is so good, so much fun. And then Claremont Northampton, which Ooh. is a huge way to finish the weekend. Six and p.m. Then, on and Sunday. Those two have got history as well. Yeah, they do. It's yeah. at six p.m. on Sunday. Perfect. So uh, I, I think, I think home wins. La Rochelle, Claremont. I don't like playing Racing. all the all the Champions Cup games in one go. We should have it on Sunday. So we've got one on Sunday. Oh, sorry, I thought you said there's four. Oh, four games including the Challenge Cup. Yes. Got you. And understood, Timothy. Uh, and yeah, that, that is your weekend of rugby. And it should be amazing every game, of course. The only place you can get every single game is on BT Sport. <laughs> All the games. What a channel. All of the games. What what professionals. So, uh, fill your boots. Get get that Facebook Live. Yeah, our, our store where you can get our rugby shirt. No? No. No? No. Okay. Get yourself Cornerstone Razor. Cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers. Cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers or egg tent at checkouts. Right. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.